You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Well, thanks everyone who is watching this live. You are here. This is very exciting. And those that are watching the recording in the future, very cool that you are taking time to invest in yourself as a student, invest in yourself, and maybe even someone who is mid-career looking to get a job in marketing, or maybe someone who is even in career and looking to kind of move within the marketing sphere. Shout out to all the marketing profs that have been leveraging these recordings and marketing clubs right across Canada that have been uh, using these recordings uh, for their club meetings. So hopefully, maybe you're watching this over Zoom together online, kind of like a you know watch party, or maybe you're in person. It's so cool. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to meet you. Um, I'm just going to go around the circle here and introduce each of who we are. I am simply the host for today, Darian Kovacs, proud Métis out of here in British Columbia, working uh, agency side at Jelly Digital Marketing PR, and then working on the bootcamp side with our Jelly Academy. So over to you, Jill, next. Hi, I'm Jill Saskin-Gills. I'm a marketing consultant, coach, and teacher. Uh, We say in marketing, it's beneficial to be a T-shaped marketer, having deep expertise in one thing and broad in everything else. So my T is in Google Ads because I worked at Google for six years, and then broadly also in data analytics, conversion rate optimization, and organic marketing. Very cool. And those that are on the TikTok, you might have even stumbled across some of Jill's TikToks teaching people how to use Google AdWords, which is very cool. Yes, I'm the Google Pro on the TikTok. Nice. Um, Brian, over to you. Yeah. Hi, uh, Brian O'Connor here. I am based out of Burnaby, BC, but I'm originally from Ireland. So I've been over here about seven years or so. So yeah, my background is kind of a mix of e-commerce and marketing. Years ago, I worked for uh, Apple back in Ireland and then Best Buy when I came here. But more recently, I I got a a little bit of time in an agency. And now I currently work as an SEO analyst for Aritzia. So good to be here. That's very cool. Brian, you just need to get you got to go on the MarTech side, like work at Google or Amazon. And then you've got like the Trinity. You'll get yeah, like exactly. Brown brand and then marketing tech. That'd be awesome. Give me time. I'm working on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Braden, over to you. Hi, I'm Braden Hebner, uh, based here in, in Vancouver and work for FI Doctors, which is an uh, optometrist-led uh, healthcare company here in Canada. I get to lead all of the brand marketing, digital marketing, is there any any difference really pieces and all the digital sort of touch points for our patients? Um, and so a really fun opportunity to bring a lot of the the mixture of brand marketing, digital marketing, MarTech, all of those sort of like great fun things and throw them into a big pot and give it a stir and uh, serve our patients with that. So that's awesome. Thanks, Brayden. And James, over to you. Yeah. Uh, hi there. Uh, I am James Gregson. I am a creative director of Lego. Um, so one of many creative directors uh, for this awesome uh, toy company, working across a lot of our brand advertising and product advertising. That is awesome. Um, so part of the theme of today is how you got a job in marketing. And I feel like the theme goes really well with what is happening if you've been watching what's going on and being published on Disney Plus and the Marvel Universe, because all these people want to know the backstories to these superheroes, right? Everyone's got this great origin story, backstory that made them who they are today. So James, I'm going to start with you. Let's go to that backstory. You know, what is the origin story of Yeah, uh, the backstory is uh, I was the worst academic ever. Uh, that's not because I didn't try hard. I tried very hard. I just was not book smart, never got good grades, had a tutor for uh, as long as I can remember, uh, and really just 
struggled. So academics was not my strong suit in any way, shape or form. Uh, and my sort of career journey to the, the Malcolm Gladwell tipping point where he talks about, and I am by no means giving a similarity to me and, and Bill Gates, but he, uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about how a lot of, uh, you know the 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 famous most successful people in the world their their success wasn't tied down to the fact that they were geniuses right that, that was definitely a help and i am not saying i'm a genius just to clarify um you know but i i grew up in the social media era as a digital native um right i was in college when facebook landed and uh had a series of internships in actually in the pr agency space and watched senior executives really fumble around with what this whole digital world was. And being a digital native growing up in that space, I was like, well, I can do this. This makes a lot of sense. And that's where it sort of evolved. So I spent a lot of time on the agency side, mostly in PR and started out my own thing. Uh, and now I'm on the brand side and in the creative side. That's amazing. It tells me about the, the switch from like agency side that you got the job at Lego. What was that transition? Yeah. I mean, I think at the time it's fairly trendy, right? That that sort of switch to, I had done uh, seven or eight years in the agency side. I had worked at, you know, uh, publicly owned, uh, global agencies, privately owned, sort of all the way through to boutique to start up. I did every single type of agency that I could uh, to write to, be sure like, okay, I've, I've done this and I got great experience and I recommend to this day, if you're starting out in that space, stick with it because you do get such an amazing uh, variety of experience. It is exhausting and it is a lot of hard work. But uh, yeah, I had always aspired to go and join the brand side and, and sort of become an expert in that sort of in a, in a category and wanted to sort of expand my remit. So uh, between joining Lego and being part uh, of this sort of agency world. Uh, I started up my own consultancy and through that, very luckily got connected to Lego and then Lego very luckily offered me a job. And Amazing. it's been seven years since. So I know you're American and you've got different terms, but outside of high school, did you go to university college? Kind of any I did, yes. Uh, I, I struggled through it. I made it. I made it through. I, I I graduated, which was as big a surprise as everyone. Funnily enough, I started in advertising design, which right is exactly what I do right now as a job. Lasted three months in that. Was not interested. Was super bored by it. Just felt very iterative and not very exciting. And then moved into computer animation with a minor in painting. Okay, great. Are you still painting today? No. No. Okay. Well, maybe not at all. One day, maybe we can have a paint party. Braden, over to you. Your origin story. What is the what is the backstory? Because I think we all know what, where you're today and the job title you have, and it's so exciting and the places you work. But how did you get to that place? Yeah, I like I, I'm an accidental marketer, so I, I remember going to marketing events, being like, I don't know that this is where I want to want to be. Um, I'm not the most like get out there and and socialize and network and all of those types of things. So wasn't sure. Actually, I have a bachelor's of general studies. So um, officially, I'm a generalist, um, which is awesome. And uh, stumbled into marketing when web analytics sort of started. So I remember going to one of the first eMetrics conferences. There's like 50 people in the room and looking around being like, what is this? And like the idea that you could put something into the market, test it, measure it, get some sort of insight, iterate on it, improve it, just fascinated me from a like, how do we take this data, mash it with like how people are actually doing and using things and inform marketing and had a boss at the time who was basically sat me down in one of my reviews and said, you're a marketer. I'm like, 
I don't know if I want to be a marketer. And she's like, no, you're a marketer. Like take all this stuff that you're doing with analytics, think about it through a marketing and brand lens and, and that's what you should do. And so she set me off on the path and and away I go. Just uh, one thing led to another. Um, and I think the two things that proved to be true is that generalists get to rule the world often um, because you know a lot about a little. So as long as you are humble enough to know where you know a little and, and lean on other people, you can, you, can, uh, you can go far. And people who can speak to data and tell those stories, uh, you know, sort of get out, outsized opportunities, I think, mm-hmm. uh, when you can structure how you communicate that way. So I was lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time growing up uh, with respect to analytics coming on board and uh, just sort of grabbed onto it and ran with it. So Brain, you got, do you remember that woman's name, the, the boss at the time and which company were you at? Yeah, I was at TELUS at the time. Yeah. Paula was her name. I actually bumped into her uh, six months ago. And so wow. we were able to, to catch up and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always uh, be grateful for her push in the, uh, in the marketing direction. Cool. And maybe give it the update us. Where did you go from there? Tell us the kind of trajectory of your... It, it's been a few different few different places, but analytics and sort of usability focused early on at uh, TELUS and AutoTrader and then into e-commerce at, at Clearly. So sort of all full stack e-commerce stuff um, and was there for uh, almost eight years. And then into Kitnace uh, and apparel. And so Kitnace, Saks Underwear and Herschel, sort of apparel accessories, consumer brand. And through that sort of process was migrating from pure e-commerce and digital into more brand roles, um, where I led brand marketing at, uh, at Herschel for the last three and a half years and then recently moved over into FY. So I don't know how T-shaped I am, but certainly like every aspect of it is sort of built upon another to sort of say like, where in marketing do you want to go? Digital, brand, wholesale, B2B, retail, you know, direct to consumer or through wholesale accounts, all the way now into healthcare, sort of spanning these different challenges, these different things, but trying to figure out how do you, how do you merge them and where are those opportunities to like learn in one industry and bring it to another, I think is, uh, is kind of an interesting and fun journey. It's awesome. Is it, is it your fault that my children have all asked for Mandalorian Herschel backpacks? Is that your doing? I can't, I won't take full credit, but sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Why not? Okay. I was definitely yeah. a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> they were so fun to see in the, the, the storefront there and gas there. It was awesome. Very yeah. cool product. Brian, over to you. Tell us, the, tell us the journey to today and what that looked like. Yeah. Um, I mean, somewhat similar to what Braden was saying, I suppose I'm, I'm kind of an accidental marketer in the end. My, my journey has been quite meandering, uh, which is, I suppose, a common theme here. So I started, I did I did a Bachelor of Business back in Ireland and I, I graduated in kind of 2010. So marketing was part of it, but um, it really wasn't back in those days. It was old school marketing, you know, my old school theory and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that. Digital was not a big part of it. And even today, I suppose, formal formal training kind of still catching up with, with the industry, which moves quite fast. So yeah, at that time, I wasn't really thinking of digital. The reason I actually studied what I did was because I could do a language with it. So at that time, I was big into languages because I love French. So I did my third year. I did an exchange program and I, I did my third year of school in France. Um, so anyway, that's relevant because when I came back... Uh, I couldn't get a job in marketing. I was trying to figure out what to do. And so that's how I ended up joining Apple because I got a job in their call center because I spoke French. 
So it was kind of the fact that I had a language just gave me a foot in the door and got me into their call center. So that's how I started in e-commerce was just being in the call center for a couple of years. And then through that role, I got opportunities to to, uh, help out with the content team and move into the e-commerce side of things um, with Apple. So that, when I moved to Canada, is is what transitioned me into the e-commerce world. So yeah, was it Best Buy for a few years here? And again, it was kind of content roles, content admin in the back end, taxonomy, stuff like this. And then within Best Buy, I got the chance to work with the SEO team. So that was my first real taste of uh, an active industry uh, marketing team. So that was when I got into SEO. And it was from there that I actually found something that I enjoyed doing uh, in, in terms of marketing. So yeah, from there, we moved into an agency for a couple of years, which again, everyone here will agree. If you spend time at agencies, it's a great place to learn and really cut your teeth in the industry. So that's where I started to really gain knowledge and working with a bunch of different clients. Did that for a couple of years. And that's what kind of let me build up my knowledge of SEO was really just getting that on the ground knowledge. Yeah. So that brings me right up to the last couple of years. Uh, before Aritzia, I was with a company called Tours by Locals and they're, uh, they're in the travel industry. So a big thing with me is I've been like, across a lot of industries, gone from retail e-commerce into travel industry. And now I'm in the fashion business with Aritzia, learning a lot there, obviously. So yeah, it like I said, it kind of meandered in a lot of different directions. But I think the big thing for me was spending that time in the agency helped me kind of understand what I like doing and what I like focusing on. And for me, it was SEO. So here we are. That's awesome. Do you remember that first day when I'm trying to remember back to Best Buy when they were like, hey, Brian, come check out this SEO team. What, what was that process like? Or who was that person that kind of took a risk on you? Yeah, yeah. So the cool thing about being in a large, any large organization, but particularly like retail e-commerce, you know, so whether it's Best Buy or Amazon or Apple or any of these big, big websites is structurally, they, they usually have a lot of different teams and a lot of different people. So you'll get these opportunities. It might be an email chain to say, hey, we're doing a sprint or we're doing a, a code workshop or, or uh, one of those things. You're welcome to join. Nowadays, it's going to be a Zoom call. But back then, you could maybe go to a room, you could talk to people. So it would have been something like that, where the SEO team were probably looking for help. Might have been during Christmas or Black Friday. They might have said, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was probably something like, hey, the SEO team wants some people to review these these uh, pages they're working on. They want some people to help with copywriting, something like that. And I probably just threw my hat in the ring and said, hey, I'd love to learn more about it. So in large organizations, it's pretty cool because you tend to get these opportunities that pop up. So if you're interested in something, whether it's SEO or paid media, those are the times when you should be jumping in and going, hey, I'd love to just come and sit and watch what you're doing or help out in any way I can. That's awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. And Jill, over to you, the origin story of, you know, Start to where you are now. It's a journey. Yeah. So I actually started my career in journalism. My dream was to be the editor of a magazine. I studied psychology and child development in undergrad. And while I love studying those, I didn't want to be a professor. I didn't want to be in academia. Uh, and so I actually got a job at a magazine after graduating. But unfortunately, after working there for one year, the magazine folded. So not only did I not have a job, I was in New York at the time. I had to move back home with my parents after university, tail between my legs was definitely not the path I had planned and ended up actually going to Harvard Business School to get my MBA. And that was where I first became interested in marketing, kind of the marketing and strategy classes are really what stood out to me there. And so after graduating, I spent a few months, super random, ghostwriting a memoir for an advertising executive. Strange gig, but got me to get some money after graduating and then ended up landing at Viacom. And it was actually a really interesting role at Viacom. My job search when I was graduating, I said, I do 
want to work at a large company. I didn't have the salary or risk appetite to work at a startup. But I found that there were a lot of large companies, large media companies, large tech companies that would have these small divisions doing innovative things. And so that was how my job search worked. I'd look at the big blue chip companies, but I'd ask people like, where's the cool stuff happening? Where's the innovation department, the creativity department? And so at Viacom, I got the opportunity to work in a department called Scratch, which was an internal creative consultancy within Viacom that consulted for the different Viacom brands like MTV and Comedy Central, but then also would consult for Viacom's advertising clients like GM and Hilton. And so it was this great opportunity, kind of like an agency within Viacom, to really um, learn a lot of great skills. And uh, that was also in New York, ended up moving back to Canada, applied to Google on a whim. Um, I had no knowledge of Google ads before I worked at Google. I just thought, I love Google's products. Why not apply? And got a job. So I was at Google for six years as an international growth consultant. So my job there was to help the largest Canadian advertisers expand their businesses outside of Canada using Google's ad products and insights. And then left Google, gosh, in 18 months ago. So it was like spring 2021. I actually didn't leave Google to become an entrepreneur. I left Google because I got the offer to become the CMO at a startup, which is like the pinnacle as a marketer, right? To go be a CMO. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't pan out as expected. I only worked that company for two weeks. Found myself once again, much later in life, unemployed. Like WTF am I going to do with my life? And started posting TikTok videos out of boredom. and was very fortunate to go viral pretty quickly and built a business on top of that. So now I do coaching. I do teaching workshops and have built a whole business teaching people about paid media off of organic marketing, which is pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Um, so Jill, I want to talk about that whim. You mentioned I, at a whim, you apply to Google. What was that like to kind of you know, fill out a form or mail in a resume or fax it, whatever you did to apply for that job? What was that process? Yeah. So to apply for the job at Google, I actually got someone who currently worked there to refer me. And that's kind of the hidden secret with a lot of the big tech companies is if you get referred in by someone who works there, even if they don't know you at all, it just guarantees that a recruiter actually looks at your application. Whereas if you just apply off the website, no one's probably looking at your application. So I just went through my business school classmates. There were maybe a dozen of them who worked at Google, emailed one of them and said, will you create a referral for me? And then I just looked at what were the jobs that were open in Toronto. And so I initially applied for a role that I didn't get, but that interviewer referred me to another role which I didn't get, but then they interviewed for a third role. And the third role I interviewed for um, is the one I got. That is amazing. That's amazing. I, I want to know advice. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this one out there to the group. A lot of the students that are listening and, and watching this, so you can some on the podcast, they're maybe going for a walk right now, or they're watching as a group, are in university or college right now. They're meeting as a group, as a marketing club or association. What is the best thing they can do while in university and college? Because maybe they've committed to the four years, right? Or they've committed to a two-year program. How can they best kind of leverage what they're doing at this time? What was your advice for that? From the guy who holds a general studies degree, I would say like, go study everything in as many varieties as you possibly can. The more you know, the better. You never know when some insight from archaeology is going to like come in and be like, hmm. There is something I learned back then that maybe applies to this campaign or this approach or like something else. And so I think being open to being interdisciplinary, an interdisciplinarian, if that's a word. But if you've got that chance to like fill an elective, uh, it might feel like, oh, I should fill an elective with this area that I'm still studying. I would encourage you to go broad and like go go take a course that you never would have taken um, 
to fill your mind with something different, a different perspective. Awesome. My advice to students would be to start networking earlier. I find when you're a student, people in industry are much more open to meeting with you or grabbing coffee or hopping on a Zoom than once you've graduated and you're working and then you're just some random person reaching out. Um, so that's something I would definitely advise students to do, especially, you know, your alumni network at whatever school you're at, like look on LinkedIn at people who graduated from there or find people who have some connection with you. You know, I get a lot of random LinkedIn messages that are, hi, your profile looks great. I would love to connect with you. And I ignore those. But if someone's like, hi, you know, I also studied psychology and I'm really interested in marketing or I went to this school and was also in this club, just something you can find in common. Uh, you're much more likely to get a response and build those connections that'll help you throughout your career. Yeah, so similar to what uh, Braden said, I've always believed in uh, it's equally as important knowing what you want to do. Uh, uh, sorry, knowing what you don't want to do as what you think you want to do, right? So whether that's taking classes in something random that you know you might never have an opportunity to uh, engage in, uh, you know, try and experience as many things as you can while you can. Also, big double down on the networking thing. Uh, I say that all the time. Networking is your should be your biggest superpower. And even as a student, you'd be surprised how gracious people are with 15 minutes of their time. You know, and it should be a planned 15 minutes, right? Come prepared to have some poignant questions. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's another one. And then there was another one that I've completely forgotten. I'll see if it comes back to me. Abuji, yeah, and I was just going to piggyback probably on what James said is is really that thing of like, while you're studying all these things and you're getting all this exposure, try to start to think about, you don't need to know right away. It might take you years to figure this out, but what, like James said, what you don't want to do, figure that out. And by doing that, you'll figure out what you do like to do. And so that's something to really keep in mind because you, you don't want to end up going down a rabbit hole of something because you think it's trendy or it pays well or whatever it is. And five, six years down the line, you're, you're, you're stuck in a job that you just don't like spending eight hours doing every day. So I think a, a big one for me was just, and, and like I said, it might take years, but be patient to try and understand what draws you in, what gets you curious. And from there, you'll probably be going in the right direction. That's awesome. Jill, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this, start this one with you. Pros and cons, because again, we're talking about the trinity of, of opportunities after university. And maybe there, there's a fourth I don't know about, but MarTech side, you worked marketing tech side, you worked at Google. There's lots of options, Hootsuite, Unbounce, Shopify in Canada. Um, what are maybe the pros and cons of MarTech? And we're not going to maybe put Google you know, under the bus or anything, but just pros and cons of going kind of that route, would you say, for, for students? We're and, one of the big kind of tech companies in marketing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think one of the pros, especially when you're earlier in your career, is just the immense training opportunities. When I got hired at Google to sell Google ads for a living, I had never used Google ads before. And that was okay because I learned how to do it on the job. And not just the actual training, but you're surrounded by thousands of smart people who are going to really help you grow. With sales skills, before I started there, I got tons of sales training that I use now. So I think that's one of the really great benefits to working I guess at any large company, is just the training and mentorship opportunities available to really grow in your career. I think the downside, one of the contributing factors to where I left, is it can get quite static in a really large organization with a lot of bureaucracy. Kind of the more senior you get, the harder and harder it is to move up. And there can be fewer opportunities to feel like you're really advancing or, you know, 
I got a promotion and I was so proud of myself for finally getting that promotion. And I went to work the next day and I'm like, I'm still kind of doing the same thing. Um, so there are benefits to working at smaller companies where you can take on a lot more and go beyond your role and really um, define a new career path for yourself a lot easier. So I'd say that's one of the drawbacks is just fighting the bureaucracy and finding your way as the needle in the haystack. I noticed you didn't say the hats you get, the, the swag from Google. Got your, what is it, Noogler hat? Is that what it's, it's called? The Noogler hat. Yes, yes, I have it at my home office. And yes. um, the swag, the Google swag is sweet. <laughs> okay, it's on point. Okay, amazing. Um, James, over to you. I want to talk about brand side and, and give the pros and cons of going brand side. Because, you know, people have their favorite brands, their dream brands they want to work at. But maybe what are the both sides of, of why you want to work that route? I mean, I think Jill alluded to maybe before we hit record uh, about the T, right? In terms of your experience, uh, right? And having the the right breadth and depth of your your sort of uh, generalist or specialist uh, experience. And I think, uh, listen, I've been at, been at Lego uh, for seven years. My longest job before that was, uh, or longest job at a, a single place before that was two two and a half, I think. Um, right. So in one, in one mind, that's great, right. From a stability standpoint, and it must not be too bad if I'm there for seven years, but the same thing, I think it's very easy and very quick to become pretty myopic in a single brand. And, you know, definitely encourage people. If you do want to go brand side that you probably have to work harder to evolve out of that singular department, right? And, and get that sort of broader experience in, in other areas of that, of that brand. Because it's not as easy as it is going from agency to agency, from you know working on behalf of a client X and a client Y in different categories, because that happens uh, you know, by the nature of different agencies. So it's very much a different beast. I was very cautious about what brand I would uh, I wanted to go for and honestly had no absolutely no intention to ever or belief that I would ever have the opportunity to work for Lego. So uh, I'm not saying that's should be everyone's goal because, uh, you know, it it's not easy. But I mean, I think I really, really buy into the idea of if you want to be in the marketing side, start out in an agency. There is nowhere better to learn as much as you can. And, and that is my advice to everybody uh, and, and has been and I will uh, <laughs> stick to it because I, as I said, I think you will get most experience more so than you ever would at a brand. That's great, James. And Brian, pros and cons, both sides of agency. We've heard a lot of pros agency, but give me maybe some of the hard parts of agency as well. Yeah, no, definitely. James is right. As a place to learn, you can't you can't beat it because you're just going to get exposed so quickly to so many things. And and it really is a like roll your sleeves up and just get it done type of thing. So you'll be interacting with account managers and they just they need a quick fix to keep a client happy or it's maybe paid media even if you don't know about paid media or graphic design or whatever you're going to be you're going to be thrown into this kind of slightly chaotic world so um there's a lot of learning but then on the other side they're very different cultures too so when you get into the brand and the in-house side you do get exposed to a lot more in my experience corporate culture and how large organizations work and that can be very beneficial if it's something you want to do later in, in your career so you'll you'll get to understand how different teams operate, how the company culture trickles down. You know, again, when you have Apple and Best Buy and Google, they all have their own company culture and they have entire teams dedicated to bringing that into all parts of the, the, the company. So there's definitely benefits if you're so inclined, if you're somebody who enjoys being in a, in a corporate environment, or if you're somebody 
maybe you're not sure about the the channel that you're in and you want to be in a place where you'll get exposed to different potential careers. So it's kind of a trade-off, right? On the agency side, you'll be learning about your craft. If it's paid, if it's search, if it's email, you'll learn about that. On the corporate side, you'll have exposure to different crafts and different um, different uh, types of careers. So it, there are pros and cons, but I would say on the corporate side, definitely the cultural shift is quite different. The pace is different and you're dealing with a lot more, uh, you know, things might be slower, but you'll be you'll be learning how to negotiate and kind of work your business acumen a little bit better. So that's probably the pros of corporate. Anyone, any pros or cons missing from those three that anyone wants to jump in on? Or, or is there a four I miss that I'm not aware of? Actually, one that I should mention, a benefit yeah. of working at MarTech is just the salary and the benefits. Okay. You get paid a lot of money. Okay. And in addition to get paying a lot of money, you know, they feed us, you get to travel a ton for work. They paid for my home internet. They paid for my gym membership. There were massages in the office, at least pre-COVID. So I would be remiss if I did not mention the total compensation is pretty sweet in the MarTech world. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's very different. Yeah. Like I remember, I, you know, we had an agency out in Abbotsford and we went downtown to Hootsuite to host an event. And and it's just like, there's an entire kitchen dedicated to people and food and beer on tap and wine on tap. And it was like, there was cabins and a nap room and a yoga room. It was, yeah, it's another world for sure. Okay. Nice one. Brady, I'm going to start with you on this one. And this is the, I think a question I get asked all the time 
and, and you've been in a position of hiring people, it is the old resume or, or LinkedIn. What are the things that you look for, A, on the resume and LinkedIn, and B, in the interview when you are hiring someone? What are you looking for in kind of this new crop of marketers or, or an existing marketer that's wanting to come over into your world? Yeah, I, th- I think a level of, of clarity and not throwing a bunch of buzzwords and accomplishments and random stuff that uh, doesn't really apply. So I think be tailored. Don't take one resume and chuck it in a hundred different places. If you're applying at a brand versus an agency, there's probably very different competencies that you want to surface that you want to bring. So I think thinking about what your past is and what as best as you can tell that that job is going to require, tailor it and make it compelling. I think it doesn't have to be super fancy designed in my mind. It just, and it doesn't need a ton of paragraphs of text, but like get to the punch. Even if you think you haven't accomplished much, you've been exposed to stuff that you need to find the way to twist. And this is a marketing job after all. If you can't find a way to twist your experience into something of how you're going to bring value to the, to the job, like that's the, that's part of the task here. Uh, and so, you know, I think that I take a quick scan and look for more red flags than I do like green flags out of resumes and 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 LinkedIn. If you may have a spelling mistake, you're probably not getting very far. If you've said something that is like super interesting to me, I think you know you you get across the the line because I think your creativity like wins lots of times. And then I, to me, it's all about the interviews. It's all about working through that interview process, how prepared, how articulate, what uh, what ways in which you can know yourself and where you're weak and have opportunities and where you're strong. And I think, you know, the the specifics and the experience might matter less for me when I'm in an interview for someone and I'm really looking for how you think. And uh, I think the this may this sounds harsh. This isn't isn't totally true, but you know when I ask for like areas that you could develop in, and you have no answer, you know the answer that's in my head is self awareness, and so there is always an answer, and it's okay to share that. Like bring your full self. Like if you're under under skilled or under confident, like that's okay. There's still something that's that's in your hunger for what that job is and what you can do that you need to to pull up and that's okay. But I think it's better to go to a place that is fully accepting of you and your opportunities to learn and a commitment there. That relationship when you get that job is going to be 10 times better than if you set it up to be, I know all of this stuff and you actually don't. That's going to result in a failure on both sides. And and uh, I just think you want to land in a spot where you said, here's who I am. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I want to learn. Here's what I can bring. If that fits right, Let's explore that. And if it doesn't, let me move on to something else because that's that's what you need in a job is something that's going to really shine a light on all of those those opportunities for you. James, I saw you shaking your head. Give us, give us some, what are your thoughts on the whole resume? Uh, yeah, I, I love this question because boy, do we put a lot of pressure on the people about uh, with a resume. And I get it. Uh, it, it. It needs to be effective. And I think the best way that I look at it is like the difference between a bad resume and an okay resume is glaring, right? The difference between an okay resume and a really great resume is not that glaring, right? So I think I, I agree wholeheartedly about the interview is the most important thing. And, uh, you know, is there a dynamic there? Um, but let's say before the interview process, I am a massive advocate of LinkedIn and uh, to the point where 
I think a lot of people, honestly, being very transparent that I work with think is that's all I do. You know, it's not all, all that I do. I, I'm active on Twitter as well, actually. Um, but I, I think it's incredibly important because I like to share my point of view on things, right? Uh, and it's flex. I am able to flex a muscle that I might not be able to flex in uh, for a toy brand. Uh, right. And I get to talk about different categories of things and, and share my opinion there. So that that is why I do it. So I think the number one thing that I uh, go through when I get a candidate is look at their LinkedIn profile. Uh, right. Um, just to see, do they have a point of view? Do they share a point of view? Are they connected with people that I know? If they're connected with people you know uh, that I know, you bet. I am reaching out to them saying, hey, what do you think about those people, right? Um, and conversely, you know, I can tell an interesting story in that uh, I was interviewing for a role uh, a while ago and had met with nine different people. And one person out of the nine people checked out my LinkedIn profile. And I was a little shook by it, right? Uh, it was a senior level role. And I didn't understand. I was like, you know... Uh, and I wasn't connected to a lot of these people. Uh, and I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn. You know, and I think that conversely was sort of surprising me. So I think I really do value the personal sort of professional profile that you put out there and the people that you know, right? And it's someone that has worked with them in the past. So I really put a lot of value in that. It's amazing. Uh, Jill, you referenced an, an amazing point about getting into Google was you got a reference from someone who worked at Google and the old chicken and egg. I want to bring that up, Brian. I'm going to throw this conundrum one at you. Jill is an instructor at Jelly Academy, where a majority of our students are indigenous and they're, you know, they, they don't have those connections or just trying to break into this industry. What you know, the chicken and egg, how what are some other tips? Like Jill's tip was awesome. Find someone who works there, see if there'll be a reference for you and take it, you know, I don't even know if that person who knew you that well, Jill, who gave you a reference, but maybe they knew you de- yeah, decently enough. So 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 come see, come saw. Brian, what's the tip for, for breaking into places? I think it's an obvious one and it's a cliche and we're all thinking it, but I'll say it like, just do whatever you can to get in. That's really the way to do it. So, so let's say you've spent years studying, whatever it is, you're getting your marketing degree. Don't be afraid to kind of put aside, in other words, be open to doing whatever you want to do. If you find a brand that you love and there's a role, let's say you're a copywriter and you don't know anything about programmatic marketing or about paid ads or SEO, but it's a junior SEO or it's an internship or a, or a I still say intern, what do they say here? Uh, co-op, you know? So. In other words, don't be afraid to go a little bit of a sidestep just to get your foot in the door. It, there's a reason that th- that phrase gets thrown around a lot. It's because it, it matters. You know, for me, I got that job at Apple only because I spoke French. I had no no other value to them other than being some dude who could speak French who lives in Ireland. So they were like, yeah, put them on the phones. And then from there, yeah, there were opportunities. Did you have a sweet came. mic, like a Britney Spears mic thing? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had the yeah, Britney mic. Like, and the, nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think it was all that sweet, but it was, yeah, it, it was the it was the old school hey, call, call center mic. So yeah, that would be my thing. Don't be afraid to just do whatever you can. If you love the brand and you really want to get started in that area, Take whatever you can get. Maybe it's a very short contract. Maybe the pay is low, whatever it is. But if you don't have the experience, for sure, do whatever you can to get your foot in the door. And if you're enthusiastic, opportunities will, will come. Any other tips? Cracking open doors or wedging in? Man, I think go like, if you have no uh, work experience, then vol- volunteer. Show something that you've been able to like put it out there and like give it a go. Because I think that that's, that's the example. That's the... The opportunity, I love like what Brian just said too, like foot in the door, take take what what you can. It might not be the dream job like right day one, but you're building up the experience. You're learning how the game gets played. You're building out all of that um, 
that capability. So I think it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I big on that. I you know I talk about and you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so hard to get an internship. It's so competitive, and it is. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> it's wildly different than when when I I was in the market for internships. But shadow people, right? Uh, I think you know shadowing someone for a day, even you can list that out uh, as experience. You can because it shows uh, you know to to Braden's point that you know you've taken that extra step. You're not just you know saying. You know, screw it. It's too difficult. So I really do buy into uh, shadowing as an option. And you know, I think another thing that students may struggle with is, you know, they're like, "Well, how can I have a LinkedIn presence?" Right? I don't have a, you know, I, I don't have a job. Well, you don't need a job to have a point of view. One and two, uh, you don't have to have work experience to have a LinkedIn profile. And I get it. My my LinkedIn profile when I first started out was garbage compared to what it is now, right? But don't ignore comments as an exercise of people getting to know you, right? And it should be more than just saying, oh, yes, I love this. It should be like, you know, providing your opinion in the comments. I know uh, a non in real life friend, a virtual friend of mine from LinkedIn, she has built her entire personal brand on commenting and being provocative in the comments and sharing a point of view in, in comments. And I think that's where students, you know, could at least share a point of view without having to have a profile. I mean, I saw this. So the perfect LinkedIn profile doesn't exist. And it was literally someone had just posted like Amazon user and how they used Amazon and what that meant from a marketing perspective or Netflix user and how they provided Netflix was all sorts of data for about their usage and their age demographic from their IP. Like it was like this brilliant take on them not working at these places, but as a user of said products and their contribution to the marketing advertising industry. Genius. But James, I think that was, I think they may have heard your advice and caught on (laughs) to make that LinkedIn profile. Um, I think I, I, sorry, I just, I would pile onto that of like, I was thinking about the resume thing and I'm like, I don't know if the cover letter is dead. I don't need like a big, long 85 uh, page cover letter, but it's an opportunity to stand out. And whether that's a piece of design work, I saw this campaign, this is what I thought about it. This is what I love about the brand, these sorts of things. I'm like, that gives me context that your bullet point resume doesn't give you and mm-hmm. is an example of me being like, oh, you've thought about this business, you've thought about this role and where you can add value. So sometimes I think going the above and beyond in that, I'm not I'm not uh, suggesting spec design work here. I'm suggesting uh, just put your brain to something you've seen and in your interpretation. Honestly, if your interpretation <laughs> of it is totally wrong and you're like, I don't, you know, I, I am looking for the thought. And so um, that is another way of standing out in that sea of resumes to be like, whoa, this person actually put some work in here. Um, maybe that's worth the conversation further because it's different than what most people are doing. That's amazing. I would just add, I would add another thing that kind of Jill is doing as her job. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I always talk about like, you know, uh, the world of social media, the world of social media advertising or Google AdWords. Uh, it seems daunting, right? Because I've never done it. It's not my job. Find a way to, to do it yourself. Everyone can do it yourself. All of these things are self-serve. Creating content, self-serve. You, you, you can do it. And you can, you know, uh, especially as, as a college student, um, you know, uh, find the time to be self-taught and try and learn right? Uh, there's no TikTok university, right? But uh, millions of people are doing it very, very effectively. That's not to say that I think everyone is creative. I don't believe everyone is creative. And you know, you can learn through that. But the, the way that uh, I ended up 
becoming uh, in charge of the first performance marketing team at Lego was because I took a hundred bucks and started running ads for uh, my local uh, gym uh, because they needed help. And I was like, how hard can this be? Um, Net, it was very hard, but I figured it out, right? And the only way I figured it out is because I said, listen, uh, friend who owned a gym, I'm going to figure this out for you. Uh, And there's nothing that should stop people from, you know, trying that out themselves too. It's amazing. Jill, I'm going to throw this one at you because I, I noticed something that has not been said by anyone yet, which is um, seeing that they have a bachelor's degree in marketing, that they have a <laughs> whatever. Like, tell me about education and, and kind of your take, especially when you applied for Google, you got your MBA at Harvard, but maybe what's your take on kind of education now as you develop and grow in marketing? I think this was alluded to earlier. You know, it's really hard to teach marketing in this day and age learned because it's so reliant on, you know, the four P's and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all these things. And even when you try to teach digital marketing, I mean, I've been teaching Google ads at Jelly Academy for a little over a year now, and I've already had to completely overhaul my presentation because so much has changed in that time. So I don't think the subject matter of what you study is important, but just the act of going through an educational environment, you know, you learn discipline, you learn how to communicate verbally and through writing, you learn how to prioritize your time. There are just skills that you learn that can be applied anywhere. And then the marketing specifics, like there's free Google ad certifications, there's free courses in SEO, there's free courses in social media marketing, and on and on and on. So if you didn't study marketing, or if you don't have an MBA, that's okay. Like what I always like to tell people is, um, at Google, my now best friend, she got hired at the same time as me. She got the second job I applied for that I didn't get. So we started with the same job. She had gone to a community college. I went to Harvard Business School. But you know what? We both got essentially the same job at Google. There are many, many different ways to get where you're going. And a formal university degree in marketing, lovely to have, not knocking those who have it, but absolutely not required. Well, James, I'll tell you, you've got a, you've got a degree you can paint, right? I could hire you to paint my portrait, maybe paint my house, whatever you studied. You when, you see, when you see resumes now, or you see people mentioning their formal education, what, what's, your, what's the influence maybe on, maybe out of 100, what's that influence on the, the hiring of that said person? So unpopular opinion, especially given the audience. I think uh, education is overvalued, maybe in some cases, maybe in marketing, especially. I'm not saying I would like a lawyer without a degree. That might be tough. Um, or a doctor without a degree. But listen, you know, I, I, I was a big component of uh, Lego dropping the uh, degree requirement from job postings. That was you. You're probably uh, no, 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 no. That was not you just, just take me. it. Just own it. Just own it. <laughs> There's 20,000 people at this company. That, that can huge. take credit for anything on my own. That um, was a huge announcement, though. That was a big deal. Yeah. And I, and, and I think it's important because one of my closest colleagues and someone that I think is incredibly talented on our team based in the UK uh, doesn't have a bachelor's degree. And he's worked at the BBC. He's been responsible for some of the greatest social content we've put uh, out. And he wasn't formally educated. Um, so I love that, uh, right? And as a father of three young kids, I talk ad nauseum with my wife about like, what do you think education will be like in uh, 15 years time? Answer, just cheaper, maybe, hopefully. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think uh, it's definitely what you make of it. I was very lucky uh, to have the education I did. And I really... I had three internships, uh, and those were more important than my education. Uh, but my education enabled me to get those internships. 
Awesome. So so when you're at university college, take advantage of your internships, practicums, co-ops, whatever they call it at your school. Okay. Braden, your thoughts on education in a resume? Yeah. I mean, I agreed with everything that's been said. I always say like, it proves to me that you know how to play a game. Because I think like, I I always say like between high school and uh, university is one of those like the biggest year of growth of your life of figuring out like, I don't need to attend class. I don't need to do all of these things that high school was sort of like mandated structure. First time in university was like, oh my goodness, this is a lot of like unstructured life. And I think learning how and what to do in that scenario in order to, to get through was uh, was high value to me. So I think that there that is how I look at it. I would just say that for digital marketing and like where we are today, I think we often forget that there is a, you know, century or more of actual marketing literature that exists that is, yeah, it might not have digital in the name, but there's an importance to knowing what shoulders we stand on as digital marketers and the history of marketing and how it's evolved. Because I think that we've lost some of that, the the essence of brand marketing, the essence of like traditional, you know, marketing, the value of multi-channel touch points and like all these things that we sort of touch on in digital but we don't often do. So whether a formal degree or not, I would just say I'm an advocate of people being a student of the of the industry and thinking beyond just the digital tactical expertise. Because I think you're right. There's so many courses that we can take for that. But if you come to me and actually can speak to how like this theory of direct mail in the 80s like could be applied in like a digital thing, I'll probably stand up and take way more notice than someone who can recite the like, I got my certification from online Google course, which is good. Do that too, but figure out the shoulders we stand on in this practice. Because I think there's a lot of marketing practice that can be learned and studied and applied that we sometimes maybe don't give credit to. Awesome. Brian, over to you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much all been said at this point. I would agree with with what's been said. Um, I would probably, yeah, I would acknowledge as well, thinking back to my time in college, you know, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. And I think that's important to acknowledge, especially if you're going in at a young age, if you're 18 to 21 and you don't know what you want to do, that's okay. In the world of digital marketing, as we know, as we've all talked about, it's really not that important when it comes to especially entry-level jobs. You know, when you are getting your foot in the door, when you are starting out, most companies in the digital world, it moves so fast that they they don't really, it's probably not going to be a determining factor where you went to college or what you did. But having said that, as a few people have mentioned, it gives you a chance to get in, whether it's a basic degree, you get your marketing theory in there. And the other thing is, if you like it, if you followed your friends, you're going to college, you're enjoying it. Absolutely. It's it's something to appreciate and make the most of. But for sure, the, the key thing here is in the world of digital marketing, getting in touch with the industry, like getting your feet in the door as soon as you can is the key thing. So uh, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do, but as soon as you do, get into the industry. That's what I would say. And for you, your department, your role, SEO especially, there's no bachelor's of SEO. It doesn't exist yet. So, so yeah. what, do you, what does your department do or what would you advise people who want to get into SEO? Yeah, that's the thing. SEO is one of those things that, I mean, formal education, I could be wrong. I'm sure somebody will correct me, but it it, I, it doesn't seem like it's caught up or it ever even can because it moves so fast. I mean, most SEOs basically work off Google's algorithm. We just react to, to Google's core updates that happen every year. And it's a hugely community-driven uh, world. 
So it's all about our forums and our communities and our journals and our, our uh, annual uh, MozCon, whatever it is that we do to get together. So formal education, specifically in the SEO world, hasn't ever really caught up and it's just the nature of it, you know? So so I think what's important there is, and what's interesting about, you know, what, what Braden said is, it's only now as I've got a bit more senior in my career and I've learned more, now I'm finding myself going back to some broader marketing theories you know, uh, about about the needs and the wants of the customers and the audiences and the targeting and all that, it actually does come into play, I think, as you get more senior. But as you're more junior, it's really about just getting your hands dirty. So for SEO specifically, don't worry if you don't find a lot of formal education because it's not out there. And um, you just need to get in, as I said, get in with a company or an agency, get into the forums, start that way. And maybe the, the formal side of things, the universities will catch up at some point. That's awesome. Thanks, Brian. So a lot of people who attend these clubs or engage in these uh, videos and sessions are fourth year students. Many of them are also looking for kind of how do I switch careers or jobs? So any, this is, this is your valedictorian end of year speech kind of closing comments, just as the, to wrap things up, maybe anything that was missed, anything that's burning inside of you that said, man, if I was 20 again, and someone had told me this, it would change my life or change the you know the direction of my life. Already, you've dropped so many nuggets, so many great pieces of advice, wisdom, and, and experiences. But anything else missing or anything in closing comments? Start with you, Jill, to kind of wrap things up today. I would say, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like the worst thing that happens is you feel a bit embarrassed. So if you're applying for a job somewhere to work in the social media marketing department, like make a TikTok video and include the link with your application. You know, if you want to go somewhere and work in paid media, create a Facebook ads account, create an ad. You don't have to spend any money to set it live and include a screenshot of your ad and maybe a video of you explaining why you did it. There are little things you can do that don't take much effort, but really help you stand out in just a sea of resumes. If you're applying for a design position, include the standard resume that's required, but then maybe also open up Canva and make, you know, a one to two minute presentation walking through your top three skills. So it's like, don't be afraid to use your creativity and put yourself out there. The worst that happens is you feel a little embarrassed. The best thing that happens is you get to the top of the pack and get that internship or get that dream job. That's awesome. Thanks, Jill. James, over to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've, I've, I don't know if I've got anything new that I haven't already said outside of uh, if I understood how important networking was, boy, would I have approached it differently. Uh, and I definitely have now when I talk ad nauseum about uh, how COVID sort of forced me to do that. You know, when we all went remote, I now sort of try and have networking, three networking conversations a week wow. with various people just to get out of that day to day. And as I said, even, even as a college kid, you know, don't ask for 30 minutes, so much time, you know, but 10, 15 uh, and come very prepared, uh, I think is a much smaller ask. And you'd be, I think you'd be surprised with how gracious people are with their time, you know, and don't be scared of being persistent. I think, you know, uh, someone who's applying for a role that we have open now uh, has bugged the crap out of me on LinkedIn. And yeah, it's annoying. I've said to his face, that it's annoying. But you know what? It shows me he really, really, really wants the job. And uh, that's not a bad thing at all, right? So uh, I can be annoyed by uh, his persistence, but I can't be uh, annoyed by his level of excitement for the opportunity. That's amazing. James, I still, by the way, have a one of your business cards, which is a Lego figure with your name on it, with your email I on the back. should have it in my bag and, and be able to hand it out on the screen, but I don't. So, yeah, uh, but, but thank you. 
Yeah. No, do you still have those Lego figures? Of in your course. It's the best part of the can. job. Absolutely. That's, the best, that's part of the job. Swag. Your swag's on point. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, Brain, over to you. Any closing comments, thoughts? I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, my comment would be once you've landed that internship or that, that, that job, I think uh, I'll word it this way and stolen from somebody I'm sure um, who is smarter than I am. But I think the oftentimes we like feel like we're in a state where we're dependent on other people, especially early on in our career. And the only thing we want is independence. And I hear this all the time of like, well, I just need to own this. I just need to be able to take this on and, and own this. And, and that's great. I love the ambition. But I actually think the secret to success is interdependence. And I think that when when you strive for independence, you're really only looking out for yourself. And I think you'll only get so far. But when you strive for interdependence and see where you can support somebody else, and when you can ask how other people can support you, and you start to figure out where in a business, whether an agency or, or brand that you're working, and you say, like, how do I add to the interdependencies that exist here and level everybody up? That's going to be unlock doors that you never would achieve just by being an independent superstar because those are actually don't exist. And all the successes that any of us have probably had in our career, you've, you've even heard it mentioned as we all have, have told the stories where it's not, it's not me, it's, it's the team that did it. it. There's so many people that are around us. And I think, so strive for looking for interdependencies and ways in which that you can elevate others. And don't be afraid to ask for other people to help elevate you at the same time. And you're going to find a, a recipe that... Uh, that will pay out dividends. That's awesome. Thanks, Braden. Ryan. Yeah, well, you know, Braden just opened the door and what I was going to say, which is definitely related, which is find a mentor. You know, mm-hmm. if you can if you can find a mentor, it's huge. I know for me, at each key moment in my career when I've jumped from this and into this and then this into SEO and that into senior, like every point that happened, I had some sort of mentor that that helped me do it. And it might not be someone in your specific field, it might be someone in the office who's a little bit senior. And that's one thing that we've kind of lost a bit with the remote work side of things, but just being able to go around an office and sit and have a cup of tea with someone and say, oh, how'd you get into this? And you start chatting. When you find a rapport, and especially if it's somebody a little bit senior in terms of career, that can help a lot. And they can coach you in many ways, not just your job. So definitely uh, interdependence and mentorship is has been huge for me and it tends to be for everyone. Amazing. And if people don't know yet, um, Canadian Marketing Association has a, uh, I think it's called 10,000 Coffees set up so you can find mentors there, kind of micro-mentorship moments. Uh, or the American Marketing Association, both in Toronto and BC, is, is developing mentorship programs there. So again, take advantage of it. As a university college student, you can leverage those free opportunities for sure, which is amazing. Uh, I will say this. Uh, every time uh, a club plays this in their uh, meetings and gatherings, uh, James, you're going to see uh, whether it's Newfoundlanders or Quebecois students or Saskatchewanians, all going to be some LinkedIn requests. So James, something to look forward to in your life these in these months to come. It's, I'm not unused to it. <laughs> That's great. Did you ever see the resume that someone made where they made themselves a Lego set and, the, and you could build the person and the resume came as a Lego set? No, I did see that a Nike employee put their resume on a cake and del- yes. delivered the resume I saw that resume. Yeah. That's a great recruiter. You know, hey, each your own. Yeah. In in Abbotsford, a guy, he did a resume. So he actually put his resume on on four bottles of beer and then handed out to places that he (laughs) wanted to work at, which I thought was very nice. Everyone loves a good pun. So thank you all tremendously for joining us today to giving more than an hour of your time and energy and resources and thoughts and wisdom. And and I feel like this was a, a micro 
mentoring moment from four amazing people. They got to sit at the feet of uh, people that have been there, done that. And, and thanks for sharing so much. I know students are going to thoroughly enjoy that and, and benefit hugely from it. So appreciate your time. Thank of course. You. Thanks. Well, thanks thank you for joining us for this video or audio experience, whether you're watching and listening to it on YouTube or a podcast at Marketing News Canada. We really appreciate it. And everyone in your group setting, I hope you have a great dialogue after this, a great Q&A time, and uh, all the best in your career journey in the wonderful world of marketing. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.